Marilyn Monroe never hid her interest in politics and certain societal debates. Nor her blind trust in the Kennedy government. She was deeply committed and had a close connection to the working class, advocating for their rights as well as those of African Americans. Before the actress was boycotted by the presidential family, she would often engage in phone conversations with the Kennedys, discussing the issues that were stirring society at that time. These calls were numerous and frequent. Between 1957 and 1962, Eunice Murray, the actress's housekeeper, would hear the piercing ring of the telephone break the deafening silence of the mansion almost daily. Phone records between the Brentwood estate and the White House provide proof of this. On one end of the line, Marilyn asks questions and shares her opinions. She wraps her fingers around the cord of her almond green telephone receiver and with an excited tone, reacts to the statements made by the Kennedy brothers. When it's Robert Kennedy on the other end of the line and the Oval Office isn't occupied with important meetings, he takes the president's place on the beige velvet couch to engage in hours-long conversations with Marilyn Monroe. He doesn't find it suspicious or dangerous. He's part of the Kennedy family, so he has every right to do so. Despite her seductive image, Marilyn Monroe is worth much more than one would think at that time. Politically engaged, she develops a special bond with the Kennedys. A passion that could cost her life. You're listening to Love Me, Love Me Not. Marilyn Monroe and John Fitzgerald Kennedy, Episode 4, Desperate Calls to the White House. According to Robert Kennedy's secretary, the president's brother goes beyond mere discussions with the Hollywood actress. He confides state secrets to her. Marilyn is therefore aware of certain classified files. It's a reckless situation that no one seems to really care about. Following the media fallout from the star's performance at John Kennedy's 45th birthday, the phone calls became less frequent. During the summer of 1962, her housekeeper recounts that the discussions, though still relevant, seemed much less friendly than before. As for John Fitzgerald Kennedy, he has no qualms about ignoring the beauty. The fact that his brother gives her the attention she craves suits him just fine. However, John occasionally calls her to ask her to stay away from official events. Eunice Murray has no trouble perceiving frustration, anger, and immense sadness in the mistress of the house's voice and tone. When she hangs up, she often ends up taking another pill with a glass of champagne and curling up in her giant bed, despite the moist California summer. She feels alone, isolated, like on a deserted island. Fragments of her childhood come back to her. Clearly, she will always be abandoned. August 5th, 1962, at 12.305, Fifth Helena Drive in Los Angeles, around 8.33 p.m. A sunset of bloody orange unfolds in the sky. The air is slightly less heavy. Finally, one can breathe. In the most beautiful Hollywood mansions, the rosé is chilled, ready to be sipped by the azure blue pools. The actress's home is even quieter than usual. Her housekeeper has finished watering the flowered shrubs in the lush garden 
she can finally take a break. Sitting on the porch, she sips an iced tea. Once again today, her employer seemed quite upset. Finally, the actress fell asleep, numbed by her usual cocktail, a mix of medications and sparkling wine. Eunice Murray eventually dozes off too, to the late bird songs. Later, around 3 a.m., Eunice Murray wakes up and decides to continue her night in her own bed. As she passes by the French doors of Marilyn's room, she notices from the garden that it is locked. Surprising. The actress usually sleeps with the window open, so she discreetly decides to intrude into her room to open it. A little fresh air wouldn't hurt her. She is always taking care of Marilyn, whom she sees as a fragile little being, despite her great fame. She even brings her a glass of fresh water with a few mint leaves floating in it, which she can sip on when she wakes up. The housekeeper quietly walks down the corridor leading to Marilyn Monroe's bedroom. She wouldn't want to risk waking her, as she already has such fragile sleep. When she reaches the door of her room, she realizes that it is locked from the inside. Eunice starts to worry that something is wrong. Quickly, she rushes to the garden to try to break the glass door. When she finally reaches Marilyn's bedside, Eunice Murray lets out a scream. On the queen-size bed, Marilyn Monroe lies motionless. She grabs her wrist, checks her pulse, nothing. Immediately concerned, Ralph Greenson, the star psychiatrist, rushes to her home in an attempt to save her, but in vain. Marilyn is pronounced dead at the age of 36, in the twilight of the early morning of August 5th, 1962. The Los Angeles County Coroner's Office leans towards suicide. It must be noted that Marilyn Monroe had a history of overdose and was open about her suicidal thoughts. However, the rumor of her murder begins to spread like wildfire. What if the Kennedys were involved? Early in the evening, FBI recordings confirm that Marilyn called John Kennedy at the White House to complain about his brother, with whom she allegedly had an affair. Maybe Bobby was calling her too much, or perhaps not enough? Whether it was to confide in him or to make him jealous, Marilyn Monroe fails to achieve her goals. The president still couldn't care less about what she has to say. According to the recordings, she can be heard saying to her interlocutor, I get passed from one to the other. I feel like a piece of meat. According to surveillance expert Reed Wilson, the call to the White House was like saying, keep your brother away from me, I hate all of you. The actress was simply desperate. According to some, John Fitzgerald Kennedy would have ordered the murder of the actress. But for what reason? To put an end to a troublemaker? Out of excessive passion? Or perhaps because she knew a little too much about the government's political and intimate problems? Speculations are rife, with the last hypothesis being the most prominent. After all, Marilyn allegedly threatened the Kennedys to expose all their secrets after being rejected by the Klan. Enough to justify, for some, an irremediable act. But how could this have happened? 
On the night of August 3, 1962, Robert Kennedy would have visited the actress around 1 a.m. to force her to inject a lethal substance into her veins. Neighbors, always ready to testify, claimed to have seen Robbie arriving at their famous neighbor's house, accompanied by two men. According to the neighborhood, the three men left about 20 minutes later, enough time to dissuade her from revealing anything and to inject her with the infamous substance. Another hypothesis supported by American novelist Norman Mailer is a conspiracy organized by the FBI and the CIA to accuse the Kennedys and gather evidence against the presidential family. Regardless of the truth behind the Hollywood star's death, over 60 years later, the causes of her demise remain a mystery with equally morbid hypotheses. For decades, a passionate love story between Marilyn Monroe and John Fitzgerald Kennedy has been recounted. Their commonalities are also fantasized about. Charisma, beauty, fame. Yet, it is also forgotten that both protagonists met a terrible end in their lives, as the President of the United States was assassinated a few months after the actress during a final presidential motorcade on November 22, 1963. Reality seems much less romantic then. If you wonder why Hollywood has never made a film about this alleged love affair, you now understand that the happy ending is missing. Thank you for listening to Love Me, Love Me Not, a Bababam production. This season was written by Anais Koopman and performed by James Brack and Deborah Reynolds. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave comments and ratings on all listening platforms.